I love Christmas. I love Christmas. I love this candlelight service. This is the 10th year that I've been here doing it. It's unbelievable. I love this service. I love Christmas for, I hope, most importantly for the Jesus part of it, the reason for the season, the Savior was born, and everything that means. I love Christmas like a lot of you do for the gifts. I'll admit it. I'm 49. I still like opening a gift with my name on there. It's changed. It used to be Chris, our son, and now it's husband or papa, which is very uncomfortable for a guy my age. I love giving gifts, and you know, I, I love the food of Christmas, don't you? It's kind of like you got a calorie pass until the first, right? And you, and you schedule your annual physical in April, which gives you four months to run off the eggnog, correct? I love Christmas, and you love Christmas. Many of you love Christmas for those same reasons. We love it for the Jesus part of it. Many of us do. We love the lights. We love the music. I, I love the church music. I love the Christmas music. It's on the radio. You love the opening of the gifts, the getting of the gifts, the lights. It, it really is a wonderful time of the year in so, so many ways. But, you know, here's a, a flip side of it is that this is also a time when our hurts are magnified a little more, aren't they? Uh, You think on a national level, uh, this Christmas season, they keep talking about the financial cliff. How many of you have heard that at least 8,000 times? And if you were to ask 10 people what it meant, you'd get 10 different answers. But I'm smart enough to know this. Anytime someone talks about going off a cliff, it's never good. Amen? Hey, your marriage is going over a cliff. Ah, You know, the church is going over a cliff. You know, it's not good. December 14th, Friday, a week and a half ago, the killings in Newtown, Connecticut. I'd been working outside most of that day, and I, I didn't really hear what had happened till that evening. My daughter and Alicia and I were watching the news, and it dawned on me that 26 people had been murdered, and that 20 of them were, were six- and seven-year-old kids. And that's Christmas time, too. I don't cry a lot. I mean, I cried at all the Rocky movies. <laughs> but I'm going to confess to you, as we watched that on the news that night, I cried. It was heartbreaking. We, we live in a world, even as Christmas comes with all of its glitter and joy, that there's some loss and hurt. You know, and on a personal note, it seems to be magnified, too, doesn't it? For some people, this is a Christmas where there's noticeable loss in your life. Loss in your family or among your friends. Or, or maybe this Christmas you're, you're living with something that you don't want to have to live with. Some physical problem or some ailment. Or some issue with your family or with your friends. That, that even though the lights are beautiful, the music is joyful. That there's just something in your heart that's not quite right this evening. Well, we're going to look in Luke chapter 2. We're going to look at the announcement of the birth of Jesus Christ. And it starts out in verse 8 and 9. It says, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, watching over their flocks at night. 
an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they, they were terrified. Folks, 2,000 years ago, when the first Christmas took place, obviously they didn't know it was Christmas, but when Jesus was born, it was a world where joy was probably lacking. It was a world where there was a, a lot of problems. The, the Romans ruled the world, and Caesar Augustus was the Roman emperor who ruled the world. And it was not exactly a great place to live unless you were in the elite of the elites. You were in the, the top of the top. Caesar Augustus had done something good about 20 years before Jesus was born that was still in effect. He had announced what was called the Pax Romana, which is Latin for the Roman peace. And, and he had said that there will be no wars at land and sea in the Roman Empire. We will be at peace. There will be no battles or no fighting, which is great. Isn't, isn't that wonderful? But one of the philosophers of that day said, although the emperor can declare peace from, from war, peace from fighting other countries, the emperor can't give you peace in your heart, in your mind. Taxes were high back then. Sound familiar? Think some things never change. When Jesus was born that first Christmas day, that first Christmas night, about 60 million people in the Roman Empire were slaves. Now, not really slaves in the way you and I understand, maybe slaves in the 17, 1800s here, but they were still slaves, which meant they woke up that first Christmas day and they were a human that belonged to somebody else. And I don't mean that in a good way. I mean that in a bad way, a piece of property. That's pretty tough stuff. Joseph and Mary and these shepherds were Jewish people. And being a Jewish person in the Roman Empire wasn't really great. It, it probably meant you were not a Roman citizen. These people here were common people. They didn't have a lot going for them. Shepherds, the, the angels appeared to the shepherds. What we know about the shepherds in Jesus' day, and these were probably good guys, but as a class, shepherds were looked down upon. Did you know if you were going to go to court and you wanted to bring someone to testify on your behalf, you couldn't bring a shepherd. Shepherds weren't allowed to be witnesses in court. Isn't that incredible? They were also banned from a lot of the religious activities at their synagogue, the Jewish version of the local church, because they were not considered worthy of their religion. What a horrible thing. That's the setting that Jesus Christ was born into. That was the kickoff for the very first Christmas. But it doesn't end there. In verse 10 and 11, it says, The angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I always love that and always comment on that. That an angel shows up and scares you to death and then says, Don't be afraid. <laughs> Easy for the angel to say. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, Listen, you common shepherds, you despised group of people, you... you Day workers who don't make much money, who live among the animals. I've got something to tell you that's unbelievable. Now follow this with me. I've got something to tell you that is exceeding and the joy and the hope and the promise that it offers you. You're poor, you're despised, you're outcast. You're Jewish people in a Roman world, you're nobodies. I've got something I'm going to lay on you that is unbelievable. And look what he says in verse 11. Today in the town of David, Bethlehem, 
A Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. These Jewish shepherds would have known what that meant. Christ was the Greek uh, of the, the Hebrew Messiah. Lord literally meant that he was the master. He was God. Here's what those angels were saying to these Jewish shepherds. You've been waiting for a long time on the promised Messiah. You've been waiting on a deliverer. You've been waiting on somebody that was going to come in and bring hope to your world. And guess what? He is here and he is a Savior. Now, folks, 2,000 years ago, they were looking for a Savior just like you're looking for a Savior. That is my granddaughter, if you're wondering, too. The old days, you spanked them. Now you take them outside and give them a pacifier. Goodness gracious. Okay. I was on a roll, too. And now we will pray. No. (laughs) They were looking for a Savior. They were looking for a political deliverer. They were looking for someone that was going to come back and take the Jewish people and make them the world power they had been. But, But God said, no, no, no. You don't need a Republican or a Democrat Savior. You need a spiritual Savior. And in Matthew 1, it says, I'm giving you a Savior who's going to save you from your sins. Folks, listen. In this room tonight, you know what's wrecking their lives 2,000 years ago and wrecking our lives? It's sin. It's sin. He said, I'm going to give you the Savior who's been born. And He's not going to become a Savior. The Savior has been born. He is God. He is the promised Messiah. And you shepherds, if you will let him, he is going to bring forgiveness to your life and cleansing to your life and peace to your life and purpose to your life. And you're someday going to be able to look death square in the face and say, you know what, when it comes for me, I'm going to go to heaven and be with God forever because the Savior was born and I embraced him. I want to tell you 2,000 years ago, that was the truth. 2,000 years later, That is the truth. Friend, I don't know what you're looking for tonight. I know what you need. Some of you, I don't know. Some of you, I just met a few minutes ago, but I know what you need. You may need more money. I'm praying for a Christmas gift to Bosley's, the hair people this year. That would be great. may need more hair. You may think you need a better husband or wife, and you may. You may say, well, I need a better situation at my work, and you may. But I tell you what you need more than anything else is you need a Savior. Some of you are saying, I'm already a Christian preacher. Let's move forward. You stay with me. Some of you, He is your Lord and Savior, but you have moved away from Him. Some of you here tonight, He is not your Savior. Everyone in this room tonight need to do what the shepherds did in a few verses. We need to run to Jesus, and we need to run back to Jesus. We need to go back, many of us who are Christians, we need to go back to Jesus tonight and receive that forgiveness and that cleansing and that purpose and that meaning that he has for us. You who are not Christians... You're scratching at Jesus. You're debating Jesus. You toy with Jesus. 
Tonight, you need to embrace Jesus. You need to rip that package of God open like you're a little kid opening up your best toy. And you need to reach in there and you need to grab him and you need to take him into your life. Because you see, what the Savior brought 2,000 years ago is exactly what he's dishing out tonight. And that's forgiveness. That's a second chance and a third chance. And a 50th chance, amen? That's a, that's a purpose and joy in our life that we can't find anywhere else. That's the assurance that when we do leave this earth, that we can know that we're going to go to heaven, not because we were baptized or sprinkled or good or nice, but because in this life we embrace Jesus Christ, the Lord and the Savior. I want to challenge you, Christians. You re-embrace the Savior tonight. You're not a Christian. You embrace the Savior for the first time this evening. I want to ask you to bow your heads with me. And close your eyes. And here's what I want to do. If you're a Christian tonight, I want to invite you to pray with me. And I want you to pray with me and just say, Jesus... Man, I re-embrace you tonight. Jesus, forgive me for how I've been away from you. Forgive me for how I've let other things be Lord. And I come back to you tonight to find that purpose and meaning that I once had. And if you're not a Christian or you're unsure if you're a Christian... I want to ask you to pray with me right where you're seated and just say, Jesus, be my Savior tonight. I'm a sinner, Jesus, and I want to turn from my sins. I believe, Jesus, that you're the Son of God, that you are Lord. And I ask you to come into my life and save me.